Welcome to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we talk about the things weighing on our minds. I'm Dan Oliverio, I'm a chaser, and I'm broadcasting to you live from the carpet in my living room. Oh. Uh, I'm Trevor Keyson, and I am a super chub, and I'm broadcasting from our guest room slash my office uh, from above the carpet in where Dan is. <laughs> Hello! I am Michael, I am a chaser, and I am... Uh, not broadcasting to you live because this was pre-recorded from <laughs> room in my office and my microphone is currently a headset that is on top of a banker's lamp that is in front of my mouth because that's how we roll right now. <laughs> uh, my name is Donald Marshall. I'm a chubby guy living in Hollywood and I am I made my bed so that I could do this because I didn't want anyone to see my unmade bed while we recorded. And then hilariously, his webcam didn't work, so we can't see anything. God damn it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have been uh, fighting some delightful technical issues for a couple of days now, but we are here persisting. We are going to get this show to you whether or not it kills us. <laughs> I mean, it kills Michael because he's the one who has to edit all of it. Yeah. yeah no kidding. My, my edit times went from roughly two hours per show to five hours per show. So... We are working very hard and very diligently, but um, we're here the, now. That's why you're the hardworking work boy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Even in quarantine with no actual work to do. I, uh, <laughs> You've managed, managed to expand your workload. <laughs> yes, somehow I'm busier than ever. So how's everybody doing this week? How's the, uh, how's the fortitude standing? Uh, I mean, I was feeling pretty fine until we spent an hour trying to get this <laughs> recording set up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm basically an extrovert, so this is a little bit of hell for me. <laughs> like, uh, I actually was looking forward to my uh, my lunch date today to go see a friend of mine. Uh, and we were going to uh, have lunch 10 feet apart from each other in her front yard. And now it's raining. So... Oh, no human contact for Don. Imagine <laughs> plans being canceled in LA because of the rain. <laughs> yeah, seriously. For those of you who don't live in Los Angeles, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, that only happens always. Because <laughs> <laughs> people cancel everything because of the rain. I almost didn't go out to get the mail today because of the rain, and it wasn't actually even raining. It just looked wet. <laughs> <laughs> that counts as raining in Los uh, Angeles. To be fair, there'll be mail again tomorrow. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> Who knows? Society may collapse tomorrow. Well, then you don't need the mail. That's true. <laughs> Silver lining. Look, look, look at the bright side. Yeah. Glass half full. I'm pretty sure I've finished Netflix at this point. <laughs> you're done. Oh. Netflix is like, you're not still watching. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> you off, man. All of Netflix is over. <laughs> oh, uh... So it's this is going to be dropping on Wednesday, but today is Monday. And uh, for Muse Monday, I featured uh, Titus Burgess. Um, but Quibi launched, launched today, which is a new streaming oh. service of all... Sh- like, everything's under 10 minutes. And oh, he yeah. has a show that he's hosting on it called um, Dishmantled uh, from the creator okay. of Chopped, which is described as a high-octane cooking competition that will literally blow your socks off. Oh dear! Um, each episode starts with cannon blasting with the cannon blasting of a mystery food dish into the faces of two blindfolded chefs, uh, what? Uh, and then they have to use their what? they have to use their culinary prowess to identify the exploded dish. 
and race against the clock to recreate it. That is kind of hysterical. Okay, that literally sounds like a like a joke pitch. Like it's the kind of thing you would like do to crack it's the, the kind of thing you would write, Dom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That is like something that would be in Kimmy Schmidt that Titus yes. would like yes. auditioning to host. Yeah, <laughs> totally. There's, you know, we're still in quarantine for anyone listening in the future. Uh, That's true. Or in the past. I think we're, um, we're solidly in week three now, right? Yes, although I'm actually in week four because Julia and I self-quarantined a week before it was officially implemented. How long is a week again? Um, I think it's between three and 30 days, but <laughs> has anyone else gone through entire days, assuming it's like one day and then found out at the end of the day, it's another entirely because yes. it didn't make any difference. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Um, I, I showed this to Dan, but I'll have to send it to you guys too. There's a local, uh, news station that has a new segment called what day is it <laughs> yes <laughs> it's the best it is the best and it has this very jazzy like intro music and then it's just the weatherman being like it's wednesday this is bringing out a really good sense of humor in every area as far as i can tell like I, I mean, well, they, I think what else are you going to do? Like, it's either you're on a high because it's all so ridiculous or you are really depressed and yep. maybe swinging back and forth wildly. Like there was a, sorry. a museum, <laughs> art, there was an art museum that ran a competition for people to recreate classic works of art from their living room with whatever they could find around the house. Uh, mm -hmm. And holy crap, some of those entries were amazing. Uh, I'm seeing people make stop motion videos in their living room. Some dude made a stop motion video of him climbing mountains and skiing by arranging sheets on his floor and then laying oh. down on top of them as though they were the mountain and doing stop motion climbing and skiing oh, and that's jumping. Genius. That's genius. It's amazing stuff. My first thought but, when you said stop motion was uh, Parks and Rec. When, uh, oh my God. Like, yes. Could a person with depression make this? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this creepy stop motion doll. Yeah. It's a made. stop motion video and it's just a guy standing up and that's all he got done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously there is a lot of um, bad news. Just like the, I don't know, the shining elevator scene, uh, except instead <laughs> of the light, it's upsetting news. Um, right. But in that, there's some tiny little, I don't know, Glops of positive blood news, um, and you know, as much I was, was going to say nuggets of gold, but no, <laughs> glops, um, glops, good boy, positive glops of blood. I like it. That'll catch on. Glass half full of blood. Yes, glass half full of blood. Um, so you know, Michael was saying we should be looking for people who are looking to help out, and Kristen Soriano, the designer, uh, who famously has always kind of made sure to design for everyone. Um, he's designed stuff from, you know, Michelle Obama for Chrissy Metz. He came to the rescue for uh, Leslie Jones when she had to go to a red carpet event. And she's like, I haven't had any designers approach me. I haven't been able to get any designers, you know, to call me back. And he mm -hmm. kind of slid into her DMs and was like, hey, I got you. So he, uh, Kristen Tirana, if you don't know, is a famous designer who kind of rose to fame after winning the fourth season of uh, Project Runway. Mm -hmm. And once I, I don't really remember exactly when, I guess maybe two weeks ago, time is a flat circle. Um, 
shifted his atelier to they're only producing masks for doctors. Um, and they have done like thousands of masks. Wow. And it's a small little, you know, design house. I think it's maybe him and maybe six women. Um, but they are just cranking out masks every day and delivering them, uh, to hospitals around New York. And I think maybe at this point around the country. Wow. Um, but I just think that is, you know, uh, Christian Siriano Cyron- is a mensch. He is always doing good things for everyone. Yeah. But Christian Siriano isn't the only celebrity stepping up. It's time for. <gasps> is it time for? Lizzo Watch. 2020. Yeah, Lizzo Watch 2020. Uh, <laughs> so Lizzo has been buying lunch for emergency room staff working overtime. Oh. And this has been ongoing. It's actually been like every day I think she's been maybe choosing a different hospital so I've been trying to keep track because it's these stories are rolling out and it's something ongoing that she wants to continue to do but she has uh, bought lunch for Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit University of Washington Medical Center Montlake Vanderbilt University Medical Center Health Fairview University in Minnesota Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania Grandview Medical Center in Dayton so all over the place uh, she's also been recording all of those places all over the country uh, she's recorded personal messages for all of these uh, doctor staffs. Um, That's um, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. And a thoughtful way to contribute that, you know, she can't give them all, you know, masks and ventilators, but she can do something to make this easier for them. Mm. I hope when all this is done that it's the stories like Christian Siriano and Lizzo and honestly, thousands and thousands of other people across the United States stepping up. And trying to fill in for our failing federal government, you know, like producing the stuff we need as best they can. Yeah. Um, well, and I find it inspirational. Like I, I do. I think it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. But I agree with that. And I think all over the place too. I mean, I don't, I don't know every story that's happening, but I do. I'm a huge soccer fan, and one of my favorite players is Lionel Messi. And he early, actually, a few weeks ago, donated a million dollars to a hospital in Barcelona. Uh, to help them with their costs and their staff. And then he, also the other players on the Barcelona team, they all took a 70% wage cut and they also donated the part of their salary to help employ all of the staff, like over a thousand staff at the Barcelona uh, club uh, so that they could continue to earn a hundred percent wages for all of this. Wow. So like, I think there are a lot of people out there that are stepping up and, and kind of doing what needs to be done, which is really, like you said, it's inspiring to see um, because this is the time, like now is the time. If we can't get our mm. shit together now, like mm. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> and I think also just in these, Hey, I fucking hate the saying this cause I've seen it everywhere. And it's kind of like the, the words in these trying times, uh, yeah, it's, they've lost all meaning because I just you, when you hear something so many times. But in these trying times, <laughs> uh, it is important. Like um, famously, Mister Rogers said, "You know, look for the helpers." It can just seem so overwhelming yeah. and so upsetting. But look for the people helping. Look for people doing good and be a helper. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will in kind of all of the. The places where I share this that I will recap at the end of the episode. In part of Lizzo sharing all of this, she has been promoting um, the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund for the World Health Organization. So I will link that. So if you want to give back in that way, it'll tell you how different ways you can donate. Yeah, I think that's a really nice. good idea, too. Well, cool. So we um, 
we do actually have a really fun new topic. Um, I, it's not quite brand new. It's something we touched on a few episodes ago, and uh, I think it would be fun to go back to because there's so much more to say about it. Um, basically, the idea that, you know, there there are many different quote unquote types within what somebody on the outside would call a broad types like, oh, you're into fat guys. That's all fat guys. Well, no, there's so many different shades of of what's attractive to a chaser. Um, and it's something that Dan, uh, Dan has covered in his book really well. And we sort of got just a tiny piece of that. But it would be fun to kind of go into it a little more. So, Dan, to set this up a little bit, um, you kind of have it broken down into two rough categories of you know, what a chaser sees in a guy. Do you want to? Yeah. One of the most frequent questions I will get in a seminar, especially from chubs is so, or, and certainly from civilians, what is so damn hot about fat? What is being fat got to offer? So this was my attempt to sort of answer that question. What's so hot about fat? And what I have come to see in a lot of interviews and talking to a lot of both men and women and trans people is just that it, it really does tend to break down into two very broad categories that for a chubby chaser, fat is seen as an expression of beauty or fat is seen as an expression of sexual power, like masculine power or feminine power. And so you can see this, like if you, if you look out at the bear community, you see the big bellied trucker with the beard and all these emblems of masculinity. But then on the other side, you have these tokens of beauty, like a really curvaceous uh, body, uh, someone that's rolls and folds, but you can kind of see how this works uh, in the media too, where someone like John Goodman is seen as this emblem of masculine power because he's fat and not just because he's fat. And then you get sort of the quirky chubby guy next door comic character. Fat as beauty tends to get a lot more made fun of and a lot more sidelined romantically than uh, fat as power does mm -hmm. uh, in shows like Roseanne or things like that. And so if you think of all the fat men that you've really admired, it, it will usually tend to go one direction or the other. It is interesting that you talk about it in such a bipolarity, because I, I agree with you. I, that's the only way I see representation in mainstream culture, is uh, that very broad, bare, uh, usually sort of hairy uh, mm -hmm. picture versus the, the non-hair round chub. And even beyond just the physical characteristics, both of them are presented with specific personality types, like single types of characters for each one, um, which... When you're a big guy looking for representation, it can be kind of strange when you're aware of the fact that you're not either one of those things. Like, I'm I'm not either one of the extremes. I'm somewhere in between. Right, so, but you'll find that you could very easily play to one or the other, and you're probably more comfortable playing to the beauty angle than the hyper-masculine angle or the hyper-power the hyper angle. I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily see myself going for either one specifically. I'm definitely okay. somewhere in between. But my point is, because those are the two representations – you feel forced to go for one of those two extremes. I see, like, yeah. If there were more representations in between, if there was a spectrum pr presented for us to picture ourselves, to, to project ourselves onto, it might be a very different situation. Right, and to be fair, what I am talking about is how chasers see the world, not how chubs show up in the world. <laughs> yes. So I think one thing that would be really interesting, not saying that everyone should go out and do this immediately, but just as a sort of social experiment, um, Don, a friend of ours, actually a mutual friend of Don's and mine, is an actor and he wasn't booking the roles that he was interested in and he couldn't figure out why. And so I think it was his agent or a friend recommended that he go out um, and sit in a mall 
And then his friend would go around and ask people, so see, see that guy over there? Like, what do you think about that person? What's the first thing that occurs to you? Like, how does, what is your impression of this guy? And, you know, they just, over the course of a day, you tend to get like some similar descriptions and characteristics characteristics and it becomes it's not a truth about yourself but it is a truth about how people first make an impression of you Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's it can be very different from how you feel that you are truly but it is also how you're perceived in the world which can be kind of useful to know like you can eventually you can sort of lean into it and play into the fact that people are going to meet you a certain way um, and then maybe subvert their expectation later Um, but knowing how you're perceived can, I, I, not that you should go out and do this necessarily, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and what I find is what I call that in the dating realm of knowing how you're perceived, I call it knowing what you're selling. Mm. What are people picking up on about you? And sometimes if you can't find, you know, if, if you keep experiencing that quote unquote, the wrong guys are picking you up, uh, it could be because you don't understand how you're being perceived and that's what you're attracting. And then, you know, have a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So here's a question for Trevor and or Don. Have you like in an experience with a guy, have you been able to kind of intuit or get a sense for how they want to regard you? Like, do you have a sense of somebody who wants you to be that more sort of powerful like type or the more uh, beautiful type in, in Dan's words? Like, do you, do you have a sense of who wants you to be those things and how long did it take you to figure it out? Well, I, I will say in general, they're not subtle. Yeah, it's, uh, it's usually pretty immediate. When someone calls me daddy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I've had guys older than me call me daddy. Like when I was uh, in college, I had this guy who was like, mm-hmm. you know, I was what? I don't know, 20 and he was 35 and he was calling me daddy. And I was like, you're older than me. I'm like, I like, I can't, I can't be your daddy. <laughs> I'll tell you yes, time traveling fantasies. I'll tell you what, though, I think if if that's your thing and that's the role that you take on, like for you, it's not. But yeah. if that were your thing, it wouldn't even feel weird at all. It would it would just become part of your interaction. I'd say I would say. But also at the same time, I think that's like definitely like I don't know many guys. I don't know. There's something inauthentic about like an 18 year old. being like, Yeah, I'm your daddy. But again, it's the perception. It's what he's trying to map onto you is his desire for masculine power. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, because you're pretty hairy and because you have a certain build, you know, you can fit that for him. And it doesn't really matter that it's not you. That's what he's looking for. And you fit that plug. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the that's called objectification. (laughs) So, Don, how's how's that been for you? Well, I I feel like for me, it's also compounded by race. Uh, mm. if you're, if you're black or Latino and, uh, and larger than the average guy, they want you, they often, I find people want me to overpower them. Like that's pretty par for the course. Mm. I, I've spoken with uh, bigger Asian guys and it's the opposite end of the spectrum for them. Usually white guys and black guys want to dominate the Asian guy, mm-hmm. but it's, it's part of the feminization of Asian culture. So I don't really get the, uh, I only get the oh daddy side of things. I don't really get a lot of the uh, you may call me dad thing. <laughs> so what? And honestly, the you may yeah, please please let me call you daddy. People are really direct about that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and and I've gotten that a lot because I don't 
I don't feel like daddy does nothing for me as a, as an appellation, but a lot of guys like to use it with me. And I, I used to like rebel against it. And then I was like, okay, you know, if it's, if it's moderated, if it's every word out of their mouth, that gets tiresome. But yeah. you know, I get that that's part of my package. Hmm. The problem is when you don't have a choice about it, when it's, you're being put in, uh, you're being, put in a role and you don't have any say in it. That's when it becomes problematic. But there is a lot of my personality that does tend to fit with nurturing uh, parental masculine. And so, you know, it's understandable. I can't fault them for that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Because I mean, I do definitely feel like I attract a certain type right now in this day and age. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I don't, and I, and I I understand what you're talking about there. Cause like, I don't fully understand why I'm attracting that type. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, at this point, I'm not questioning it too much either because it's been kind of fun. So. <laughs> yeah, and and if you go into my book, I really break this down in a much more elegant, sophisticated way because I'm kind of doing the literally a stereotype here. It's a, you know, category A, category B, and it's a little more nuanced than that. And the other thing that it can help you understand is, you know, as you say, to, to, if you're a well-adjusted chub, fat to you is you know probably neutral. It's not a thing you look for. It's not a thing you avoid. But, you know, chasers obviously have a big stake in this game. They're, they definitely have a, have a persuasion. And so it can help you if you're trying to understand how can being fat be a good thing. Understanding how chasers value you can help you complete that sentence. What is hot? What is sexy? What is valuable about being fat? And that's what the model is meant to answer. Nice. Don, do you have a bit? I do. I do. Excellent. I, I brought a, uh, a a new segment for us, I think. Oh. And I'm going to call it Fat in History. <laughs> we need some so, news uh, on the March music. <laughs> <laughs> so when we do that, when we do Fat in History, I'm going to pick a famous fat historical figure and give a little new information on them. Um, and since so many of us are looking at our government right now, I figured we'd start off with one of our favorite. Uh, fat presidents in history, William Howard Taft. Very good, um, very good. Now, uh, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to deliver a couple of our because we like we like tr- we like trivia questions with multiple choice. So <laughs> I figured we'd stick with that format for this. So uh, I think the number one thing that brings William Howard Taft to the memory of Americans, and I'm not expecting our inter- international audience to know who this guy is at all, uh, but he was a president around 1909 to 1917, somewhere in there. But he was very famous for being our largest president. And specifically, he is very famous for an interaction with a bathtub. There's actually a children's book about that. Mm-hmm. Is there really? Yes. Okay. Well, which of the following is true? Taft had multiple bathtubs installed in the White House and several ships. Number two, he got stuck in a bathtub so tightly that it took six men to pull him out. Number three, one time when stuck in a bathtub, the Secretary of Agriculture suggested that they butter every inch of him to get him out. Or four, a pulley and winch system had to be installed in the presidential bathroom in order to remove him from the tub. I I think it's two. Yes, it's two. Two. I think I think they either had to get him out or or they had to break the tub to get him out. One of those two. Okay. Yeah, two is the one that I remember. Although it could be four, but I'm going to go with two as well. The true answer is number one. Taft had multiple bathtubs installed in the White House and several ships. This was, however, a trick question because that is this myth of him getting stuck in a bathtub oh. uh, has never actually been confirmed. It's, it comes from the memoirs of one 
one uh, butler who wrote a memoir of working in the White House who said simply that Taft got stuck in the tub every once in a while. He would need help getting out of the tub. That's all. But he oh. was an older man in that time period. That's not that shocking. Mm. So uh, while he is famous for getting stuck in bathtubs and apparently the uh, six men pulling him out, the secretary of agriculture saying they had to butter him. These are big urban myths that have surrounded this man for a very long time. <laughs> oh, they're just, they're actually, they're actually fat jokes that we've, we've all accepted as true. Exactly. There's actually a great New York times article that I'm going to send to Trevor afterwards uh, that basically uses Taft as an example of uh, the way that uh, history is trying to sort of rob fat people of their accomplishments mm. by simply making fat eclipse everything. So here's another fun fact. Taft did actually have an actual accident in a bathtub that was picked up by the media uh, or relating to a bathtub. <laughs> this was one, his collection of rubber ducks was stolen by a reporter and distributed to employees of the paper he worked for. Two, he accidentally pardoned several key members of a porcelain price fixing ring called the Bathtub Trust. <laughs> Three, he got into a bathtub while a guest at someone's home without realizing he displaced so much water that he doused the floor and failed to notice the water damage when he left. Or four, he frequently bathed with his favorite pet, a schnauzer named Mary Bell. Oh, God. <laughs> I really want the last one to be true. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I think it's, you got two votes for Mary Bell. I think it's everyone's uh, favorite schnauzer. water. Displaced water? Yeah. All right. The correct answer is, in fact, the displaced water. That is true. Ah. Okay. Um, Has Trevor had always one. Once in 2007, I think. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting side note: the uh, I didn't make up a porcelain price fixing ring called the Bathtub Trust. That was actually <laughs> a price fixing ring that he broke up during his administration. You mean there was a ring around the bathtub? Oh, oh, wow. boy! Hey, come on! It was right there. Okay. Last <laughs> one. Question three. Uh, though today Taft is known primarily for his weight, what other major achievement is a notable part of his biography? One, he was twice offered a seat on the Supreme Court before he became president. Two, he oversaw construction of the Panama Canal. Three, he was the first governor of the Philippines, becoming well-loved by the people there for reversing U.S. policy of brutal suppression. Or four, was the only person to serve as both president and a member of the Supreme Court. Huh. Hmm. Those all sound pretty convincing. I thought it was the canal, but I could be wrong. Going with the canal? I, yeah. I thought, but I mean, that's all I got. I'm uh, suspicious of the fact that two of your answers in involve the Supreme Court. No. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. We got one for the canal. I Trevor, think it's, what do you think? I think oh, it's Michael. the fourth one. I think he was president and a member of the Supreme Court. I'm okay. also going to say the fourth. Okay. We got one for the Panama Canal and two for both president and member of the Supreme Court. And the correct answer is all four of them. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a That's... trick. This game's rigged. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's rigged in your favor. All answers were correct. <laughs> like any one of these four things is sort of a notable accomplishment, but definitely all sort of washed away because he was of the bathtub mid rumor. Yeah. So I said there's a children's book about this, which I'll, I'll drop in the Skype chat. Okay. I was convinced that the bathtub thing was true because. There is a children's book that came out fairly recently. When was it? I mean, within the past couple of years called President Taft is Stuck in the Bath. <laughs> and it is a picture book that will probably, I don't know, 
I imagine if Michael had this book as a child, it might sort some things out for him. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of informative. Oh, I think so. I think very much so. But it's, I mean, those are some illustrations. Yeah. (laughs) We have just like tripled the sales of that book with one comment. (laughs) (laughs) So we will link to that on our uh, social media. Uh, I think Trevor has a, has a tip for today as well. Yes. Uh, Just the tip. That's the, the segment. Trevor, give us just the tip. So we have, in the past, we have talked about the app uh, Growler, which um, actually there was some, a little bit of controversy about earlier this year, which it seems like decades ago, because Growler was bought by um, a company that has a lot of like straight dating apps. So people have been kind of going on and off Growler, but they have added a new feature of live video, which they are using to promote socially distant dating. I saw that. My first thought is like, oh, so people are going to just like use this to like jerk off. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, especially I feel like Growler is a little, you know, more down and dirty sometimes. But it's not like that fine upstanding site called Grindr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so they're going to have this this video feature they're implementing is going to have different kind of modes where there's going to be like a live video feature, kind of like uh, Instagram when you go live um, where people can just kind of, you know, multiple people can watch. There's going to be a next date mode, which is kind of like video speed dating and they'll have to answer questions. And then um, based on their responses, they'll be able to decide if they want to like, okay, like done, like, you know, swipe right. Uh, or if they want to kind of continue one-on-one video chat. I feel um, like that's going to turn into something a little akin to chat roulette where you, yeah. <laughs> you just swipe across <laughs> and you never know what you're going to come across next. Um, well, it's, it's really the first stage to getting to the Logan's run thing. When, when you put yourself on the, on the circuit and except instead of swiping left or right, they actually show up in your living room. Oh. I think Logan's run was my very first glimpse of homosexuality in mass culture like as a little kid it was the very first time yeah remind me because i've only seen the movie once and i i only remember bits and pieces what's the moment in logan's run he goes back home he decides he wants to have some sex so he pulls up basically uh tinder for that time period which is holograms of different people looking for sex so as he's going through all these women one dude shows up he pauses and then keeps going like he, I can't remember if he sort of sneers or if he pauses and then just moves on without comment. But uh, the fact that there was a guy in that feed was like, what the hell? My impression was they weren't holograms. Like they were actually standing there and they can come into your living room and you can just get it on right now. Oh, maybe. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. That is. But yeah, blew my little seven-year-old mind. <laughs> <laughs> so great tip. Uh, you know, if you're stuck at home in quarantine... Be sure to check out Growler's new chat roulette. Just, just know what you're walking into. Just be aware of... A whole, whole lot of penises, like a, like a room full of hot dogs. <laughs> Don't go on that with your mom, you know? <laughs> so thanks for spending a, a little quality quarantine time with us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, week three. We're not going anywhere. Hey, Good news, though, the the markets opened to a bump today because investors believe that we are starting to hit the peak of uh, like we're starting to hit the top of the curve in some countries. And so the hope, I guess, is that it's going to get a little better in different places. I don't think the United States is on that track, but maybe some places are. 
So hey, yay for maybe getting a little ahead of the curve. <laughs> oh my God. I just looked out my window and I can see downtown so clearly. It is wow. so bizarre. It is so crystal clear. It is bizarre. It is like, what's wrong with... Baby, maybe that's not downtown. That's Century City. <laughs> wrong direction. Well, that, that, makes, <laughs> that, that makes more sense than downtown. <laughs> quickly, quickly, before we lose our momentum, Trevor, what is the social media? <laughs> okay, so, as usual, even though we're in quarantine, we're still on Twitter and Instagram as at BigFatGayPod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast, and you can check out all of the lovely things we mentioned on our website at www.bigfatgaypod.com. And why don't, you know, you got nothing to do, you're sitting at home, you should give us a five-star review on one of those places you listen to podcasts. On iTunes or Stitcher. Yeah. And Facebook is also helpful, too. You can make a recommendation. If you're finding the podcast helpful, informative, funny, whatever... Um, it definitely helps us get the word out there and, and you could potentially get somebody listening who uh, needs might just need it right now. And that'd be that'd be fun for everybody. <laughs> uh, and if you're I mean, who, who are we kidding? You're listening in quarantine. You're not in your car. If you're in your car, you shouldn't be going anywhere. <laughs> um, but, and that's why there's someone behind you. Yeah. And they've there's got, someone behind you and tell them to stay six feet away. Yeah. And there's keep them on in the room full of hot dogs on live. And, <laughs> and just so you know, it is currently Wednesday. Wednesday.